Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. Hello, 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 everybody. Thank you for coming in for another episode of Who Gets to Decide. Today, I want to talk about the dust-up over Joe Rogan, Spotify, and Neil Young, the rock legend. And I want to talk about this because it cuts to the core of free speech. And I know what some people are thinking already that have been exposed to this story. They're thinking, well, you know, Spotify is a private company. Um, They can regulate speech if they want. And Neil Young is a private individual. I mean, it's just a private contract. And that's true. And that's, that's very true. And I think it's it was resolved as such. Um, my understanding is Neil Young feels like that Joe Rogan's show is uh, peddling misinformation. He doesn't want to be a part of it, so he's asked uh, either for his music to be removed or for Joe Rogan to be removed from Spotify. And so the company has come back and and said, "Well, we're keeping Joe Rogan." And I'm glad, for one, that they did that because I think Joe Rogan, one of the reasons he's so popular is he's doing something that is is important. Now, you may not agree with Joe Rogan uh, or his guests, but there's there's conversations, there's important, compelling conversations that are taking place there that, as a society, we're working through. And despite what Dr. Truth Science Fauci says, it is not settled science. It is not settled truth. Um, truth is a, a process of communication and arguing, and you arrive at the truth. You don't. You don't just. You know, it's a discovery process. You don't just declare it. So, I think what we've had up until Joe Rogan is we've had the government truth, and then we've had the willing uh, corporate media outlets peddling that truth on their programs and because it aligns with the government truth or Dr. Fauci truth science that people aren't questioning it. They're not, um, they're, they, they don't see the reason to question it. And the reality is there's a lot of reasons to question it. Um, Joe Rogan has had doctors like Peter McCullough on his program. He's had doctors like uh, Robert Malone and others, others that have challenged him actually. Um, so Joe Rogan is trying to offer an alternative, um, alternative outlet where experts can come in and question Dr. Fauci and do it so in a in a way that should be legitimate and should be accepted. But the propaganda arm of the government and the corporate media, they don't like it. They don't like – Joe Rogan has more listeners than even Fox News, even Tucker Carlson. So the, the media class does not like this, and this is really what it's all about. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off by playing kind of an overview of the story uh, from the Today Show. The Today Show does a nice little puff piece and kind of just gives you the whole context, and I think that's a good place to start. 
This morning, Spotify's most popular podcaster, Joe Rogan, famously known for questioning vaccine safety, may have caused the streaming platform a rock icon. Neil Young demanding his music be scrubbed from Spotify in a since-deleted letter reported by Rolling Stone magazine. I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, Young wrote in a post NBC News has not viewed. The Harvest Moon singer reportedly putting forth an ultimatum. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. The fallout on the heels of the podcast host's continued controversial comments. It's a completely new kind of vaccine. The idea that people shouldn't be skeptical or nervous about that is kind of hilarious. A recent episode also featured a virologist who said Americans have been hypnotized into getting vaccinated. Those statements reaching Rogan's millions of followers and driving a coalition of scientists and researchers to call on Spotify this month to establish a clear and public policy to moderate misinformation. We are not, again, asking for the censorship or removal or even deplatforming of a person or a podcast. We're asking for responsible actions to make sure that consumers of that information are properly warned. Even the 54-year-old's own battle with COVID stirring up controversy. Turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at him. Revealing he took ivermectin, which the FDA has approved to treat parasitic worms in humans, but not COVID-19. That decision blasted by radio host Howard Stern. I heard Joe Rogan was saying he I'm said, I took a horse, horse dewormer. Yeah. And a doctor gave it to me. Well, a doctor would also give you a vaccine. So why, <laughs> why, why, why take horse dewormer? Rogan hosts a range of medical experts on his podcast and assures he's not anti-vax, sharing he nearly got vaccinated. Still, he has appeared to discourage young people from getting the jabs, to which Dr. Fauci told Savannah. Even if I get infected, I could do damage to somebody else, even if I have no symptoms at all. So you say young, healthy people should get vaccinated? Absolutely. So Emily, uh, back to Neil Young for a second. He's made these kind of threats over music before, right? Yeah, that's right, Hoda. Back in 2015, the Grammy winner took his music off of Spotify, taking issue with the sound quality of the platform. But he ultimately relented, saying Spotify is where people get music. I should add, neither Neil Young nor Joe Rogan responded to our request for comment. And Spotify says it continues to update its guidelines. The platform has removed more than 40 of Rogan's episodes, though none for reasons related to the pandemic. So there you have it, the Joe Rogan, Neil Young, Spotify battle. And I think one of the most important things to go ahead and get out in the open right now is free speech is obviously in the Constitution. And the purpose of free speech is to ensure political freedom. Now, history is, is riddled with leaders from various countries that... Uh, were criticized by the population or uh, policies were questioned by the population. And, and the result was, you know, you round them up and throw them in jail and now they're political prisoners. And, and we still have some of this going on now. I mean, the, the, the whole January 6th thing is really a political prisoner problem. Okay. So you might say, you know, well, this isn't that, right? This, this is a private company. Uh, these are private actors. And, and more or less, it was handled in a private way. You know, the, the uh, Spotify was uh, asked to remove Neil Young's music and, and, um, by Neil Young, and, and they complied. And that's pretty much the end of it. But there's a bigger thing going on here because these platforms, whether they be Facebook or Google or Spotify or just any of these electronic platforms – they are the public square today. 
So denying people access to these platforms is like kicking people out of the public square where they can't speak. And this is really a big problem. So what what Joe Rogan is being accused of in, in his show is that he's questioning vaccine safety. Well, he's not the first one to ever do that. That's been going on forever. And in this particular case, you know, he makes the statement, look, this is a new kind of vaccine. It's, it's very different than vaccines we've taken in the past. And people should be concerned and, and they should have questions. And I think he's right. I think that's reasonable. I think if, before you stick something in your body, if you have some questions, um, you should be able to get those answered. Uh, that's the whole idea of, of consent, right? The problem, though, is people haven't been able to get those questions answered. In fact, uh, it went from this is, you know, voluntarily vo- voluntary to uh, basically we've progressed all the way to mandates and 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 man- uh, passports, vaccine passports, where you can't access certain um, particular parts of society unless you have the vaccine. So. You know these these types of things um, need to be discussed in an open forum by people that have dissenting opinions, so that we can arrive at the truth. Uh, there's it's a discovery process, uh, arriving at the truth. It's not a pronouncement by Doctor Truth Science Fauci, or Doctor Burks, or Collins, or Walensky, or any of these people, and and so. Joe Rogan is providing providing a, a valuable service, him and Spotify. And and these people that, that Joe Rogan has on his show are not hacks. These are world-renowned doctors. And like I said, Joe Rogan himself has been shown to be wrong on his own show by some of these doctors. And that's what you would expect. You would if he questions something, the doctor says something, maybe they reference something on the internet. And Joe Rogan is corrected. And that has happened as well. Now, a lot of this started back when Joe Rogan got COVID himself and basically announced to the world that he his doctor prescribed him ivermectin. Now, the reason this was a big controversy, well, first of all, people mocked him and they made fun of him and they said, why is he taking horse paste and you know, ivermectin is something that's prescribed uh, in horses to to remove um, uh, parasites, and that's true. But it's also been prescribed in humans. Okay. Now, on this show, we've talked quite a bit about the repurposing of drugs, and ivermectin is one of these drugs that's very, very safe for human beings to take, along with hydroxychloroquine, and these drugs have antiviral qualities and that's why Joe Rogan's doctor prescribed it. But there's been a a huge effort on behalf of our government and the media to corral everybody into this one size fits all. No surprise there. Typical government deal where everybody has to take the vaccine and there are no other treatments. Now, Robert F. Kennedy, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, several doctors, reputable, very reputable people and 
Robert F. Kennedy Jr. himself is also very reputable, have estimated that this policy has maybe needlessly killed as many as a half a million people. In other words, some of these people could have been saved if we just gave them some of these repurposed drugs instead of vaccinating them. Or instead of saying, you know, let me know if you have trouble breathing, we'll put you in the hospital. So there's a lot to be concerned about here in, quote unquote, the public square. And the reality is Joe Rogan's show, the Joe Rogan experience, is the is one of the only places that you can get this alternative uh alternative dialogue. I'm not saying it's truth. I'm not calling it an alternative truth. I'm saying there's dialogue here that's addressing uh, other dialogue that's being thrust out into the the public. So that's kind of, that's kind of what's going on in the background. Um, Now, the other thing that was controversial that Joe Rogan did is he gave his opinion and plenty of people are giving their opinion about this vaccine and the risks associated with it or potential risks, or just even if they're not potential risk, just unknown risks that are potentially out there. And Joe Rogan made a comment, and I think he's right, that if you're young and healthy and you don't have any, you're not overweight, you don't have diabetes, you don't have any of these other issues, and you're healthy, you know, he, he wouldn't take the vaccine. He would recommend that you not take the vaccine. And I think he's right about that. I mean, if you think of it like on one side of the question, there's unknown risks. We don't really know what they are. And on the other side of the question is the known risks, i.e., uh, I get COVID and I get sick somehow. And the real reality for young people is that they survive COVID just fine. They don't really have a lot of risks. So it, it is it is the case that the unknown risks are greater than the known risk for young people. And that's all Joe Rogan said. So I've got some other programs here. I've got a little discussion. Uh, there's kind of a market discussion on CNBC that I think is kind of interesting. Um, and I want to play that and then come on, comment on that as well. I mean, Spotify, you know, they pay Joe Rogan a lot of money. It's very profitable uh, for, for Spotify. But they could certainly say artists like Rogan have a First Amendment protection to, you know, and we're standing up for the First Amendment. And then I could see Neil Young saying, well, I have a First Amendment right as well. And, and the free market for me means that I want you to take my music down. So maybe the free market is working. I, I'm sure you have some yeah, you, you have some comments and color on, on how to how to look at this. Yeah, no, I think it is working. I think it worked exactly right. Neil Young makes this demand. I want you to take my music down. Spotify complies, and that's the end of it. I think the big picture here is whether other artists follow Neil Young, and then it could become a business problem for Spotify. But if you take a look at the numbers here, the issue is that Joe Rogan is by far the most streamed podcaster on the platform. Podcasting is especially lucrative for Spotify because it's really good for advertising. Now, by comparison, I think they'd probably be fine with Neil Young taking a hike if it means that they can keep their most star business player on the platform. The question that I have 
is where is Spotify going to draw the line in the future? They said in a statement yesterday that they took down 20,000 podcasts related to COVID-19 misinformation since the start of the pandemic. Well, why aren't you taking down Joe Rogan's? I think the answer is because they're paying $100 million in a multi-year contract for Joe Rogan, but they're not going to be able to waver for long. I think a lot of artists are going to get fed up with it. So the the big picture here is that uh, Neil Young basically didn't like or doesn't like the way Spotify runs their business. And specifically, he doesn't like Joe Rogan's show and he doesn't like what Joe Rogan is talking about and who his guests are and what they're talking about. And he just made a demand and Spotify, you know, basically said, okay. Um, he said, you could have Joe Rogan or you could have Neil Young, but you can't have both. And he, and they said, fine, uh, we'll let you take your music down, but, but, uh, or we'll remove your music for you. But, uh, we, we want you back if you decide to come back. I mean, and that's, that's the very adult way to handle it. Later in the report, she asked the question, well, why aren't you taking down Joe Rogan? And she says, well, it's, you know, her conclusion is, well, they're paying him a hundred million dollars. He has a popular show, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think Spotify got into business with Joe Rogan, knowing that Joe Rogan was a different kind of broadcaster, that he was willing to talk about controversial subjects and he didn't care really what people thought. And, I think they think there's a market for that. And I think they're right. That's one of the reasons I created my show is I think there are controversial things that need to be talked about and talked about from a principled standpoint. And you just don't get that on the media. You don't get that on the, on the, uh, on MSNBC. You don't get it on Fox. You don't get it on CNN. You, you don't get it anywhere. You just get Republican good, Democrat bad, or Democrat, depending on who you listen to, Democrat bad, Republican good. And the problem is real world, pro, real world things that we have to deal with, they don't break down into those two categories. Um, and not only that, but as I've said many times on the show, uh, politics poisons the truth, right? So which plays right into this particular subject. We've got a lot of information. Let's call it, let's don't call it misinformation. Let's just say we have, there's a lot of information surrounding this COVID debacle. Okay. And we're collectively trying to get to the bottom of it. Now we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of the origin of it. We're trying to get to the bottom of what's the best way to treat it. We're trying to get to the bottom of, are the vaccines safe? You know, there's been a lot of adverse effects based on the VAERS database. Um, there's just a lot of information around this particular effort by the government. And not a whole lot of truth is coming out of Dr. Truth Science and his cohorts. So I think what Joe Rogan is doing is providing an extremely valuable service giving a platform to some of these doctors who disagree with Dr. Truth Science and are explaining as best they can in the format that Joe Rogan offers why Dr. Fauci's wrong, why Dr. Collins is wrong, why Dr. Burks is wrong, what we found out, what the data is. I mean, some of these people are very exper experienced in running 
clinical trials. They have real information, information that I, for one, want to know about. Hopefully other people want to know about. So I think Spotify, is, it's not just about the money for them. I think they think there's even more money down the road because this is an untapped market. This place where people can come talk about an opposing view and discuss it in a way where both parties are trying to get to the truth of it. All right, let's switch gears and go to CNN. They're talking about uh, this as well. And uh, there's a mostly what I want to play there is a is from a political commentator named Scott Jennings. I think his the way he sums this up around speech is very important. And again, the thing is, the, the, the free speech is mostly about political speech, but these platforms, this is the way we talk to each other now. This is, I mean, this is this is important. If we're going to gather together and talk with one another, the way we do it is over Spotify, over Facebook, over Google, you know, over these different platforms. And so he's speaking about free speech in the traditional sense where we're concerned about government um, protecting speech or or government infringing on political speech. But again, I think these platforms are basically, you know, it's like the gathering around city city hall today. It's, it's where speech and ideas are exchanged and shared. Yeah. I mean, the business case for this for Spotify is quite obvious. They pay Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars to make the biggest podcast in the world. He's got 11 million listeners every day. I mean, this is one of their biggest, most profitable entities. And so the idea they were going to side with Neil Young over this was crazy. I do think it it highlights, though, a startling turn on the political left towards authoritarianism when it comes to free speech. I'm old enough to remember back during the Bush years when Neil Young went on a tour called the Free Speech Tour because he was out protesting the Iraq war. Well, he's come a long way. That's quite an evolution when you try to use your uh, you know, use your platform to get corporations to silence speech that you don't like. So I think it's a troubling trend on the left to try to throw people that you don't like out of the public square. In this case, Joe Rogan won, but I don't think it's going to stop the trend. So he makes the observation about the business case, which I've already commented on. And, um, and then he brings up this evolution of Neil Young. And I think, you know, Neil Young is, I mean, he passionately believes in what he believes and he's basically an activist. And he tried to bring that activism into his job, in this case, his contract with Spotify, and Spotify let him out of his contract. It'd be no different if you went to work and tried to force your company to do something that was not in their interest, and they fired you or told you that you needed to resign. I mean, it's the same kind of deal. This is how things are handled in private uh, organizations. There's no compulsion. There's no throwing somebody in a cage or, or putting a gun to their head. It's just, that's, it's business. You don't agree with us. Your, your goals don't align with ours and it's time for you to move on. Um, you know, Scott, Neil Young was willing to put his money more, his mouth is in this. Yeah, he, he was. And, and you know what? I, if, if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. I, I do think it's interesting that he's trying to rally people against Spotify because they choose to be in business with Joe Rogan. Again, I, I mean, look, COVID broke a lot of people. I mean, Neil Young's obviously one of them. I, he's given up a huge amount of his own personal revenue by having his music removed from this. I, I find it interesting that you have a number of people who generally, I think, identify with the 
with the political left who have gone from being free speech advocates all the way now to being the speech police. And there have always been cranks and there have always been people who are wrong and there have always been all kinds of views in America. It is not normal for us to have an entire political ideology that's moving towards the idea that speech is somehow violence or that speech is unsafe. This is a country that values the concept of speech and will sort it out in the public square. Young doesn't obviously value that uh, unique American thing, the idea that we can all speak and we'll, we'll all sort it out. I, I, I find that to me to be the most interesting thing about uh, this whole episode. So here he makes the observation that, uh, you know, Neil Young's trying to rally people against Spotify. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I don't really care about that. But it is interesting how people just can't go away. They've got to, you know, it's not good enough for you to just not do business with somebody. You've got to, you know, try to destroy the business or destroy that host or whatever. And that's just kind of the society we live in right now. People feel so strongly about what they believe that they're willing to, um, you know, try to destroy somebody else in the process of, of being right. And there, there, are, there is no right answer in this, at least not yet. It's not been determined yet. And it may be a couple of years from now before we determine the truth. The other thing he said is that COVID broke a lot of people. And I think he's right about that. I think uh, uh, the people that kind of think for themselves are on the outside of, this, uh, of these discussions and the people that just kind of fall in line with government and believe everything that government says are kind of on, on the other side of, of um, the discussion. And the ones, I think, that are really malleable to government are the, are the broken people. I see – I was in a restaurant the other day and two people just sitting in a restaurant and they're looking at each other, they're wearing masks. The whole restaurant is full of people without masks. And we know at this point, we, I mean, we know it, there's been numerous studies that masks just don't keep you safe when it comes to the virus. And yet people still driving around in their cars with masks. And I've seen people with plastic shields on their face, all kinds of stuff. And it's just, it's like an ignorance or something that's really broken people. They don't, they don't really understand the threat and they're so used to listening to the government that they, that that's all they know to do. They don't know how to critically think about these types of problems. And then the last thing I want to mention is just this lurch from the left that he talks about where you have the left moving from stalwarts of free speech to now groups of people that want to remove speech by force. By you know, literally by force, force somebody not to be able to speak about what it is they're speaking about. And this is a huge transition, very big transition. And um, it's scary because these are the people that control our government institutions. Uh, if you go to universities, it's, it's highly populated by people that identify on the left spectrum politically. Um, you know, there, there's just institutions all over our society that are populated by people who identify politically left. So this is going to be a problem, and it's going to continue to get worse, I think. And, um, you know, hopefully there'll continue to be avenues to uh, share 
ideas because that's how civilization flourishes. I mean, if we cannot argue respectfully about ideas and opinions and rational rationale around those opinions and ideas, then what, what happens is there's nothing left then but violence and people will, you know, revert to violence if you, if you eliminate things like speech. So we, we definitely don't want to do that. That there is an impulse on the political left right now to try to silence people on the conservative uh, side of our spectrum. I mean, there is an impulse to say, why is this person allowed to speak? Why are they allowed to have a platform? Why are they allowed to espouse views that I find personally hateful? I get it. You don't like it. But that shouldn't stop you from believing that this is a country that's big enough and strong enough internally to embrace all kinds of speech. So, uh, Brianna, I, I'm not for banning speech of any kind. I am always on the side of free speech. And So this guy, Scott Jennings, he is very principled around this idea of free speech, and I, and I think he's right. I mean, you, you cannot have, not in this country, okay, it, it doesn't work properly without free speech. And we do have to be concerned about this lurch from the left to try to ban speech. You know, this all started some time ago with hate speech. There's a big dust up about hate speech and we needed to police hate speech. And, and, you know, to some degree we've given into that as a society. I mean, we have hate crimes, right? I mean, if, if someone murders me because I'm white, do I really care that they don't, they hate me because I'm white? No, what I care about is they murdered me. I mean that's the that's the crime. It's not a, it's not a crime to hate somebody. Um, people say that all the time. You know, Mean Girls. Watch Mean Girls. Hey, all those girls sitting around. I hate this and I hate that. You know, people people don't like each other for various reasons. But that's not a crime, and it's certainly not uh, some sort of speech we need to police. I'm going to play a quick segment here from the other guest, this guy, CJ, who's an author. And he tries to bring up the difference between facts and information. And I think this is kind of interesting. Let's listen to his argument first and then and then uh, comment on it. Yeah, I think we have to separate out the idea that we're talking about facts, things that are factually wrong. Hundreds of doctors have come out and said certain things that Joe Rogan has said on the air were factually incorrect, and talking about ideas, a free marketplace of ideas where people can debate things and talk about things and talk about various ideas. And I think you have to separate out the two um, uh, two competing uh, ideas there here, the, uh, the idea about facts that can be wrong or right, and ideas where people can have differing opinions about what they mean. So this guy, CJ, he's trying to make the distinction between facts and misinformation or information. And he thinks he's, I don't know, discovered the Holy Grail here or something. But facts are just agreed upon information. I mean, the way you arrive at facts is by flushing out various pieces of information. Now, this is one of the reasons we, when you take the stand in a trial, you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So, you can you can straight up lie. That's not telling the truth, okay? But you can also leave out certain facts, which is a lie by omission. And so this is how the discovery of truth 
uh, epistemologically happens. It has to happen by this back and forth process. So what the guy brings up is just idiotic. It doesn't make any sense. And they're just trying to evade the, the fact or the, um, the piece of information that's critical here to this discussion is that in order to arrive at truth or facts, there has to be conversation. You have to, you have to be able to argue back and forth. Now, to point this out, I'm going to play a clip from Jordan Peterson, who is talking with a, a reporter about being offensive. But being offensive is, is kind of the same thing. If you're, you're communicating and you're saying something that somebody doesn't like. Uh, but it, it's, this, it's a very similar discussion to what we're having here, and I think it's relevant. So I'm going I'm to play a couple of clips from Jordan Peterson and comment on them. Okay, so the rule is you can't offend anyone, all right? Let's say you're speaking to one person, I can't offend you. All right, fair enough. What if I'm speaking to 10 people? Do I get to offend one in 10? How about one in 100? How about one in 1,000? You're going to come out on stage and you're going to say something important about something vital, and you're not going to offend one person in 1,000? Well, you can't say anything about anything important ever without offending probably the person you're talking to important speech about important issues, especially contentious issues, is instantly offensive. So if you listen to this conversation and you just substitute the word offensive for the word of uh, the word disagreement, so anytime you say something important about important facts, one in a thousand people might disagree with you. But it doesn't mean that those aren't important to say, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the right to say them. There are ways that you can share, I guess, um, provocative views where you attempt to still do that in a, with an air of, say, respectfulness, where you're yeah. trying to mitigate against the offensiveness. This is true, yeah. You can actually try listening when you're, when you're having a conversation, right? Assuming that both people who are having the conversation are of goodwill and they're not trying to play tricks and they're struggling towards the truth, which neither of them hold completely and both understand that, yeah, you can reach across fairly large gaps and negotiate peace. So what Jordan Peterson is describing here is the process by which you arrive at truth or facts. And he puts some conditions on it, right? Both people have to be under some intention of goodwill. They have to uh, not play tricks. They need to listen to one another, so on and so forth. And this is, this is why there needs to be another side to the story. There's always two sides to the story. And simply kicking one party out of the story, out of the conversation, doesn't accomplish anything. What you're left with there is propaganda, like what we have around COVID with Dr. Truth Science and his minions. You see that as a curtailing of freedom? It's worse than a curtailing of freedom. It's a demand that the population uses a certain kind of linguistic approach. It's, a, it's an appropriation of speech. There's no excuse for that. That never has happened once in the history of English common law. Right? It's a barrier that we do not cross. Hate speech laws are bad enough. It's not like there's no hate speech. Like anyone with any sense knows that there's hate speech. Who's going to regulate it? Who's going to define it? And I know the answer to that. The last people in the world you would want to. That's right. Who's going to regulate it? Who's going to control it? Well, the government will step in and try to do that. And those are, he's right. Those are the last people on earth that we want to do that. So, look, uh, this is a, 
critical subject. I hope you've enjoyed talking about it and listening to these points of view that I've presented. But the bottom line is we don't want to eliminate speech, okay? And the reality of the situation is that that today takes place on these platforms. So we need to be very, very careful that we don't let these people run away with the narrative and bully bully us off platforms and eliminate our speech because eventually if you lose this, I mean, eventually you just never get it back. So look, I hope you've enjoyed the program today. I think this is a very important subject. Uh, it's, it's got a very important underlying principle. Please share it with other people so that they can hear it. Um, the point of views I think are important, both the ones I shared my own point of view and also the ones I shared clips on. And, uh, you know, look, go on to your podcaster or whatever, write a review if you like the show and come back and hear me again. I'll try to, like I said, I'm going to try to continue to put together decent content, things that are important that we're discussing in the public square and hopefully you enjoy that and keep coming back and listening. gets to decide a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness and here is your host seth martin hello 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 everybody thank you for coming in for another episode of who gets to decide today i want to talk about the dust up over joe rogan spotify and neil young the rock legend and I want to talk about this because it cuts to the core of free speech. And I know what some people are thinking already that have been exposed to this story. They're thinking, well, you know, Spotify is a private company. Um, they can regulate speech if they want. And Neil Young is a private individual. I mean, it's just a private contract. And that's true. And that's, that's very true. And I think it's it was resolved as such. Um, my understanding is Neil Young feels like that Joe Rogan's show is uh, peddling misinformation. He doesn't want to be a part of it, so he's asked uh, either for his music to be removed or for Joe Rogan to be removed from Spotify. And so the company has come back and and said, "Well, we're keeping Joe Rogan." And I'm glad, for one, that they did that because I think Joe Rogan, one of the reasons he's so popular is he's doing something that is that is important. Now, you may not agree with Joe Rogan uh, or his guests, but there's, there's conversations, there's important, compelling conversations that are taking place there that, as a society, we're working through. And despite what Dr. Truth Science Fauci says it is not settled science. It is not settled truth. Um, truth is a, a process of 
communication and arguing and you arrive at the truth. You don't, you don't just, you know, it's a discovery process. You don't just declare it. So I think what we've had up until Joe Rogan is we've had the government truth and then we've had the willing uh, corporate media outlets peddling that truth on their programs. And because it aligns with the government truth or Dr. Fauci truth science, that people aren't questioning it. They're not, um, they're, they, they don't see the reason to question it. And the reality is there's a lot of reasons to question it. Um, Joe Rogan has had doctors like Peter McCullough on his program. He's had doctors like uh, Robert Malone and others, others that have challenged him, actually. Um, so Joe Rogan is trying to offer an alternative, um, alternative outlet where experts can come in and question Dr. Fauci and do it so in a, in a way that should be legitimate and should be accepted. But the propaganda arm of the government and the corporate media, they don't like it. They don't like Joe Rogan has more listeners than even Fox news, even Tucker Carlson. So the, the media class does not like this. And this is really what it's all about. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off by playing kind of an overview of the story uh, from the Today Show. The Today Show does a nice little puff piece and kind of just gives you the whole context. And I think that's a good place to start. This morning, Spotify's most popular podcaster, Joe Rogan, famously known for questioning vaccine safety, may have caused the streaming platform a rock icon. Neil Young demanding his music be scrubbed from Spotify in a since-deleted letter reported by Rolling Stone magazine. I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, Young wrote in a post NBC News has not viewed. The Harvest Moon singer reportedly putting forth an ultimatum. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. The fallout on the heels of the podcast host's continued controversial comments. It's a completely new kind of vaccine. The idea that people shouldn't be skeptical or nervous about that is kind of hilarious. A recent episode also featured a virologist who said Americans have been hypnotized into getting vaccinated. Those statements really reaching Rogan's millions of followers and driving a coalition of scientists and researchers to call on Spotify this month to establish a clear and public policy to moderate misinformation. We are not, again, asking for the censorship or removal or even deplatforming of a person or a podcast. We're asking for responsible actions to make sure that consumers of that information are properly warned. Even the 54-year-old's own battle with COVID stirring up controversy. Turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at him. Revealing he took ivermectin, which the FDA has approved to treat parasitic worms in humans, but not COVID-19. That decision blasted by radio host Howard Stern. I heard Joe Rogan was saying he's like, took a horse, horse dewormer. Yeah. And a doctor gave it to me. Well, a doctor would also give you a vaccine. So why, why, <laughs> why, why, why take horse dewormer? Rogan hosts a range of medical experts on his podcast and assures he's not anti-vax, sharing he nearly got vaccinated. Still, he has appeared to discourage young people from getting the jabs, to which Dr. Fauci told Savannah. Even if I get infected, I could do damage to somebody else, even if I have no symptoms at all. So you say young, healthy people should get vaccinated? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So I'm really, uh, back to Neil Young for a second. He's made these kind of threats over music before, right? Yeah, that's right, Hoda. Back in 2015, the Grammy winner took his music off of Spotify, taking issue with the sound quality of the platform. But he ultimately relented, saying Spotify is where people get music. I should add, neither Neil Young nor Joe Rogan responded to our request for comment. And Spotify says it continues to update its guidelines. The platform has removed more than 40 of Rogan's episodes, though none for reasons related to the pandemic. So there you have it, the Joe Rogan, Neil Young, Spotify battle. And I think one of the most important things to go ahead and get out in the open right now is free speech is obviously in the Constitution. And the purpose of free speech is to ensure political freedom. Now, history is is riddled with leaders from various countries that... Uh, were criticized by the population or uh, policies were questioned by the population. And, and the result was, you know, you round them up and throw them in jail and now they're political prisoners. And, and we still have some of this going on now. I mean, the, the, the whole January 6th thing is really a political prisoner problem. Okay. So you might say, you know, well, this isn't that, right? This, this is a private company. Uh, these are private actors. And, and more or less, it was handled in a private way. You know, the, the uh, Spotify was uh, asked to remove Neil Young's music and, and, um, by Neil Young, and, and they complied. And that's pretty much the end of it. But there's a bigger thing going on here because these platforms, whether they be Facebook or Google or Spotify or just any of these electronic platforms – they are the public square today. So denying people access to these platforms is like kicking people out of the public square where they can't speak. And this is really a big problem. So what, what Joe Rogan is being accused of in, in his show is that he's questioning vaccine safety. Well, he's not the first one to ever do that. That's been going on forever. And in this particular case... You know, he makes the statement, look, this is a new kind of vaccine. It's, it's very different than vaccines we've taken in the past. And people should be concerned and, and they should have questions. And I think he's right. I think that's reasonable. I think if, before you stick something in your body, if you have some questions, um, you should be able to get those answered. Uh, that's the whole idea of, of consent, right? The problem, though, is people haven't been able to get those questions answered. In fact, uh, it went from this is, you know, voluntarily vo- voluntary to uh, basically we've progressed all the way to mandates and 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 man- uh, passports, vaccine passports, where you can't access certain um, particular parts of society unless you have the vaccine. So. You know these these types of things um, need to be discussed in an open forum by people that have dissenting opinions, so that we can arrive at the truth. Uh, there's it's a discovery process arriving at the truth. It's not a pronouncement by Doctor Truth Science Fauci, or Doctor Burks, or Collins, or Walensky, or any of these people, and and so. Joe Rogan is providing providing a, a valuable service, him and Spotify. And 
and these people that, that Joe Rogan has on his show are not hacks. These are world-renowned doctors. And like I said, Joe Rogan himself has been shown to be wrong on his own show by some of these doctors. And that's what you would expect. You would, If he questions something, the doctor says something, maybe they reference something on the internet, and Joe Rogan is corrected. And that has happened as well. Now, a lot of this started back when Joe Rogan got COVID himself and basically announced to the world that he, his doctor prescribed him ivermectin. Now, the reason this was a big controversy, well, first of all, people mocked him and they made fun of him and they said, why is he taking horse paste? And, you know, ivermectin is something that's prescribed uh, in horses to, to remove um, uh, parasites. And that's true. But it's also been prescribed in humans, okay? Now, on this show, we've talked quite a bit about the repurposing of drugs. And ivermectin is one of these drugs that's very, very safe for human beings to take, along with hydroxychloroquine. And these drugs have antiviral qualities. And that's why Joe Rogan's doctor prescribed it. But there's been a, a huge effort on behalf of our government and the media to corral everybody into this one-size-fits-all, no surprise there, typical government deal, where everybody has to take the vaccine. And there are no other treatments. Now, Robert F. Kennedy, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, several doctors, reputable, very reputable people, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. himself is also very reputable, have estimated that this policy has maybe needlessly killed as many as a half a million people. In other words, some of these people could have been saved if we just gave them some of these repurposed drugs instead of vaccinating them. Or instead of saying, you know, let me know if you have trouble breathing, we'll put you in the hospital. So there's a lot to be concerned about here in quote unquote, the public square. And the reality is Joe Rogan's show the Joe Rogan experience is the is one of the only places that you can get this alternative uh, alternative dialogue. I'm not saying it's truth. I'm not calling it an alternative truth. I'm saying there's dialogue here that's addressing uh, other dialogue that's being thrust out into the the public. So that's kind of that's kind of what's going on in the background. Um. Now, the other thing that was controversial that Joe Rogan did is he gave his opinion. And plenty of people are giving their opinion about this vaccine and the risks associated with it or potential risks or just even if they're not potential risk, just unknown risks that are potentially out there. And Joe Rogan made a comment, and I think he's right, that if you're young and healthy and you don't have any, you're not overweight, you don't have diabetes, you don't have any of these other issues and you're healthy, you know, he, he wouldn't take the vaccine. He would recommend that you not take the vaccine. And I think he's right about that. I mean, if you think of it like on one side of the question, there's unknown risks. We don't really know what they are. 
And on the other side of the question is the known risks, i.e., uh, I get COVID and I get sick somehow. And the real reality for young people is that they survive COVID just fine. They don't really have a lot of risks. So it, it is it is the case that the unknown risks are greater than the known risk for young people. And that's all Joe Rogan said. So I've got some other programs here. I've got a little discussion. Uh, there's kind of a market discussion on CNBC that I think is kind of interesting. Um, and I want to play that and then come on, comment on that as well. I mean, Spotify, you know, they pay Joe Rogan a lot of money. It's very profitable uh, for, for Spotify. But they could certainly say artists like Rogan have a First Amendment protection to, you know, and we're standing up for the First Amendment. And then I could see Neil Young saying, well, I have a First Amendment right as well. And, and the free market for me means that I want you to take my music down. So maybe the free market is working. I, I'm sure you have some yeah, you, you have some comments and color on, on how to how to look at this. Yeah, no, I think it is working. I think it worked exactly right. Neil Young makes this demand. I want you to take my music down. Spotify complies. And that's the end of it. I think the big picture here is whether other artists follow Neil Young and then it could become a business problem for Spotify. But if you take a look at the numbers here, the issue is that Joe Rogan is by far the most streamed podcaster on the platform. Podcasting is especially lucrative for Spotify because it's really good for advertising. Now, by comparison, I think they'd probably be fine with Neil Young taking a hike if it means that they can keep their most star business player on the platform. The question that I have is where is Spotify going to draw the line in the future? They said in a statement yesterday that they took down 20,000 podcasts related to COVID-19 misinformation since the start of the pandemic. Well, why aren't you taking down Joe Rogan's? I think the answer is because they're paying $100 million in a multi-year contract for Joe Rogan, but they're not going to be able to waver for long. I think a lot of artists are going to get fed up with it. So the, the big picture here is that uh, Neil Young basically didn't like or doesn't like the way Spotify runs their business. And specifically, he doesn't like Joe Rogan's show and he doesn't like what Joe Rogan is talking about and who his guests are and what they're talking about. And he just made a demand and Spotify, you know, basically said, okay. Um, he said, you could have Joe Rogan or you could have Neil Young, but you can't have both. And he, and they said, fine, uh, we'll let you take your music down, but, but, uh, or we'll remove your music for you. But, uh, we, we want you back if you decide to come back. I mean, and that's, that's the very adult way to handle it. Later in the report, she asked the question, well, why aren't you taking down Joe Rogan? And, she says, well, it's, you know, her conclusion is, well, they're paying him a hundred million dollars. He has a popular show, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think Spotify got into business with Joe Rogan, knowing that Joe Rogan was a different kind of broadcaster, that he was willing to talk about controversial subjects and he didn't care really what people thought. And, I think they think there's a market for that. And I think they're right. That's one of the reasons I created my show is I think there are controversial things that need to be talked about and talked about from a principled standpoint. And you just don't get that on the media. You don't get that on the, on the, uh, 
on MSNBC. You don't get it on Fox. You don't get it on CNN. You, you don't get it anywhere. You just get Republican good, Democrat bad, or Democrat, depending on who you listen to, Democrat bad, Republican good. And the problem is real world, pro, real world things that we have to deal with, they don't break down into those two categories. Um, and not only that, but as I've said many times on the show, uh, politics poisons the truth, right? So, which plays right into this particular subject. We've got a lot of information. Let's call it, let's don't call it misinformation. Let's just say we have, there's a lot of information surrounding this COVID debacle. Okay. And we're collectively trying to get to the bottom of it. Now we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of the origin of it. We're trying to get to the bottom of what's the best way to treat it. We're trying to get to the bottom of, are the vaccines safe? You know, there's been a lot of adverse effects based on the VAERS database. Um, there's just a lot of information around this particular effort by the government. And not a whole lot of truth is coming out of Dr. Truth Science and his cohorts. So I think what Joe Rogan is doing is providing an extremely valuable service giving a platform to some of these doctors who disagree with Dr. Truth Science and are explaining as best they can in the format that Joe Rogan offers why Dr. Fauci is wrong, why Dr. Collins is wrong, why Dr. Burks is wrong, what we found out, what the data is. I mean, some of these people are very exper experienced in running clinical trials. They have real information, information that I, for one, want to know about. Hopefully other people want to know about. So I think Spotify, is it's not just about the money for them. I think they think there's even more money down the road because this is an untapped market. This place where people can come talk about an opposing view and discuss it in a way where both parties are trying to get to the truth of it. All right, let's switch gears and go to CNN. They're talking about uh, this as well. And uh, there's a mostly what I want to play there is a is from a political commentator named Scott Jennings. I think his the way he sums this up around speech is very important. And again, the thing is the, the, the free speech is mostly about political speech, but these platforms, this is the way we talk to each other now. This is I mean, this is, this is important. If we're going to gather together and talk with one another, the way we do it is over Spotify, over Facebook, over Google, you know, over these different platforms. And so he's speaking about free speech in the traditional sense where we're concerned about government um, protecting speech or, or government infringing on political speech. But, I, again, I think these platforms are basically – you know, it's like the gathering around city city hall today. It's it's where speech and ideas are exchanged and shared. Yeah, I mean, the business case for this for Spotify is quite obvious. They pay Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars to make the biggest podcast in the world. He's got eleven million 
listeners every day. I mean, this is one of their biggest, most profitable entities. And so the idea they were going to side with Neil Young over this was crazy. I do think it, it highlights, though, a startling turn on the political left towards authoritarianism when it comes to free speech. I'm old enough to remember back during the Bush years when Neil Young went on a tour called the Free Speech Tour because he was out protesting the Iraq war. Well, he's come a long way. That's quite an evolution when you try to use your uh, you know, use your platform to get corporations to silence speech that you don't like. So I think it's a troubling trend on the left to try to throw people that you don't like out of the public square. In this case, Joe Rogan won, but I don't think it's going to stop the trend. So he makes the observation about the business case, which I've already commented on. And, um, and then he brings up this evolution of Neil Young. And I think, you know, Neil Young is, I mean, he passionately believes in what he believes and he's basically an activist. And he tried to bring that activism into his job, in this case, his contract with Spotify, and Spotify let him out of his contract. It'd be no different if you went to work and tried to force your company to do something that was not in their interest, and they fired you or told you that you needed to resign. I mean, it's the same kind of deal. This is how things are handled in private uh, organizations. There's no compulsion. There's no throwing somebody in a cage or, or putting a gun to their head. It's just, that's, it's business. You don't agree with us. Your, your goals don't align with ours and it's time for you to move on. Um, you know, Scott, Neil Young was willing to put his money more, his mouth is in this. Yeah, he, he was. And, and you know what? I, if, if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. I, I do think it's interesting that he's trying to rally people against Spotify because they choose to be in business with Joe Rogan. Again, I, I mean, look, COVID broke a lot of people. I mean, Neil Young's obviously one of them. I, I, he's given up a huge amount of his own personal revenue by having his music removed from this. I, I find it interesting that you have a number of people who generally, I think, identify with the, with the political left who have gone from being free speech advocates all the way now to being the speech police. And there have always been cranks and there have always been people who are wrong and there have always been all kinds of views in America. It is not normal for us to have an entire political ideology that's moving towards the idea that speech is somehow violence or that speech is unsafe. This is a country that values the concept of speech and will sort it out in the public square. Young doesn't obviously value that uh, unique American thing, the idea that we can all speak and we'll, we'll all sort it out. I, I, I find that to me to be the most interesting thing about uh, this whole episode. So here he makes the observation that, uh, you know, Neil Young's trying to rally people against Spotify. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I don't really care about that. But it is interesting how people just can't go away. They've got to, you know, it's not good enough for you to just not do business with somebody. You've got to, you know, try to destroy the business or destroy that host or whatever. And that's just kind of the society we live in right now. People feel so strongly about what they believe that they're willing to, um, you know, try to destroy somebody else in the process of, of being right. And there, there, are, there is no right answer in this, at least not yet. It's not been determined yet. And it may be a couple of years from now before we determine the truth. The other thing he said is that COVID broke a lot of people. And I think he's right about that. I think, uh, uh, the people that, kind of think for themselves are on the outside of this, uh, of these discussions and the people that just kind of fall in line with government and believe everything that government says are kind of on, on the other side of, of, um, 
the discussion. And the ones I think that are really malleable to government are the are the broken people. I see I was in a restaurant the other day and two people just sitting in a restaurant and they're looking at each other, they're wearing masks. The whole restaurant is full of people without masks. And we know at this point, we I mean we know it, there's been numerous studies that masks just don't keep you safe when it comes to the virus. And yet people still driving around in their cars with masks and I've seen people with plastic shields on their face, all kinds of stuff. And it's just, it's like an ignorance or something that's really broken people. They don't, they don't really understand the threat and they're so used to listening to the government that they, that that's all they know to do. They don't know how to critically think about these types of problems. And then the last thing I want to mention is just this lurch from the left that he talks about where you have the left moving from stalwarts of free speech to now groups of people that want to remove speech by force, by you know, literally by force, force somebody not to be able to speak about what it is they're speaking about. And this is a huge transition, very big transition. And um, it's scary because these are the people that control our government institutions. Uh, if you go to universities, it's, it's highly populated by people that identify on the left spectrum politically. Um, you know, there, there's just institutions all over our society that are populated by people who identify politically left. So this is going to be a problem and it's going to continue to get worse, I think. And, um, you know, hopefully there'll continue to be avenues to, uh, share ideas because that's how civilization flourishes. I mean, if we cannot argue respectfully about ideas and opinions and rational rationale around those opinions and ideas, then what, what happens is there's nothing left then but violence and people will you know, revert to violence if you, if you eliminate things like speech. So we, we definitely don't want to do that. That there is an impulse on the political left right now to try to silence people on the conservative uh, side of our spectrum. I mean, there is an impulse to say, why is this person allowed to speak? Why are they allowed to have a platform? Why are they allowed to espouse views that I find personally hateful? I get it. You don't like it, but that shouldn't stop you from believing that this is a country that's big enough and strong enough internally to embrace all kinds of speech. So, uh, Brianna, I, I'm not for banning speech of any kind. I am always on the side of free speech. And So this guy, Scott Jennings, he is very principled around this idea of free speech. And I, and I think he's right. I mean, you, you cannot have, not in this country, okay, it, it doesn't work properly without free speech. And we do have to be concerned about this lurch from the left to try to ban speech. You know, this all started some time ago with hate speech. There's a big dust up about hate speech and we needed to police hate speech. And, and, you know, to some degree we've given into that as a society. I mean, we have hate crimes, right? I mean, if, if someone murders me because I'm white, do I really care that they don't, they hate me because I'm white? No, what I care about is they murdered me. I mean, that's the, 
That's the crime. It's not a, it's not a crime to hate somebody. Um, people say that all the time. You know, mean girls. Watch mean girls. Hey, all those girls sitting around, I hate this and I hate that. You know, people people don't like each other for various reasons, but that's not a crime, and it's certainly not uh, some sort of speech we need to police. I'm going to play a quick segment here from the other guest, this guy CJ, who's an author. And he tries to bring up the difference between facts and information. And I think this is kind of interesting. Let's listen to his argument first and then and then uh, comment on it. Yeah, I think we have to separate out the idea that we're talking about facts, things that are factually wrong. Hundreds of doctors have come out and said certain things that Joe Rogan has said on the air were factually incorrect. And talking about ideas, a free marketplace of ideas where people can debate things and talk about things and talk about various ideas. And I think you have to separate out the two, um, uh, two competing uh, ideas there. Here, the, uh, the idea about facts that can be wrong or right and ideas where people can have differing opinions about what they mean. So this guy, CJ, he's trying to make the distinction between facts and misinformation or information. And he thinks he's, I don't know, discovered the Holy Grail here or something. But facts are just agreed upon information. I mean, the way you arrive at facts is by flushing out various pieces of information. Now, this is one of the reasons we, when you take the stand in a trial, you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So you can, you can straight up lie. That's not telling the truth, okay? But you can also leave out certain facts, which is a lie by omission. And so this is how the discovery of truth uh, epistemolo- epistemologically happens. It has to happen by this back and forth process. So what the guy brings up is just idiotic. It doesn't make any sense. And they're just trying to evade the, f- the fact or the, um, the piece of information that's critical here to this discussion is that in order to arrive at truth or facts, there has to be conversation. You have to, you have to be able to argue back and forth. Now, to point this out, I'm going to play a clip from Jordan Peterson, who is talking with a a reporter about being offensive. But being offensive is is kind of the same thing. If you're you're communicating and you're saying something that somebody doesn't like. Uh, but it, it, it's this—it's a very similar discussion to what we're having here, and I think it's relevant. So I'm gonna—I'm gonna play a couple of clips from Jordan Peterson and comment on them. Okay, so the rule is you can't offend anyone. All right. Let's say you're speaking to one person. I can't offend you. All right, fair enough. What if I'm speaking to ten people? Do I get to offend one in ten? How about one in a hundred? How about one in a thousand? You're going to come out on stage and you're going to say something important about something vital and you're not going to offend one person in a thousand? Well, you can't say anything about anything important ever without offending probably the person you're talking to. Important speech about important issues, especially contentious issues, is instantly offensive. So if you listen to this conversation and you just substitute the word offensive for the word, of, uh, the word disagreement, so anytime you say something important about important facts, 
one in a thousand people might disagree with you. But it doesn't mean that those aren't important to say, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the right to say them. There are ways that you can share, I guess, um, provocative views where you attempt to still do that in a, with an air of, say, respectfulness, where you're yeah. trying to mitigate against the offensiveness. This is true, yeah. You can actually try listening when you're, when you're having a conversation, right? Assuming that both people who are having the conversation are of goodwill and they're not trying to play tricks and they're struggling towards the truth, which neither of them hold completely and both understand that, yeah, you can reach across fairly large gaps and negotiate peace. So what Jordan Peterson is describing here is the process by which you arrive at truth or facts. And he puts some conditions on it, right? Both people have to be under some intention of goodwill. They have to uh, not play tricks. They need to listen to one another, so on and so forth. And this is, this is why there needs to be another side to the story. There's always two sides to the story. And simply kicking one party out of the story, out of the conversation, doesn't accomplish anything. What you're left with there is propaganda, like what we have around COVID with Dr. Truth Science and his minions. You see that as a curtailing of freedom? It's worse than a curtailing of freedom. It's a demand that the population uses a certain kind of linguistic approach. It's, a, it's an appropriation of speech. There's no excuse for that. That never has happened once in the history of English common law. Right? It's a barrier that we do not cross. Hate speech laws are bad enough. It's not like there's no hate speech. Like anyone with any sense knows that there's hate speech. Who's going to regulate it? Who's going to define it? And I know the answer to that. The last people in the world you would want to. That's right. Who's going to regulate it? Who's going to control it? Well, the government will step in and try to do that. And those are he's right. Those are the last people on earth that we want to do that. So, look, uh, this is a critical subject. I hope you've enjoyed talking about it and listening to these points of view that I've presented. But the bottom line is we don't want to eliminate speech. Okay. And the reality of the situation is that that today takes place on these platforms. So we need to be very, very careful that we don't let these people run away with the narrative and bully bully us off platforms and eliminate our speech because eventually if you lose this, I mean, eventually you just never get it back. So look, I hope you've enjoyed the program today. I think this is a very important subject. Uh, it's, it's got a very important underlying principle. Please share it with other people so that they can hear it. Um, the point of views I think are important, both m the ones I shared my own point of view, and also the ones I shared clips on. And, uh, you know, look, go on to your podcaster or whatever, write a review if you like the show, and come back and hear me again. I'll try to, like I said, I'm going to try to continue to put together decent content, things that are important that we're discussing in the public square, and hopefully you enjoy that and keep coming back and listening. Mm -hmm.